Hey, how you doing? Hey, it worked. It worked. I don't know where you are, but it worked. I am in the land of. Yeah, I'm gonna run the. I'm gonna run the risk of, because I'm still on the window. I didn't tape anything. I didn't swipe or anything. I'm still on the window where it says you can invite a friend, but I don't see your name there. So I'm gonna now. We're recording. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure we are, but I'm not seeing it. So I'm gonna see if I can swipe into the next room. Ah, there we are. Okay, so I'm not a hundred percent sure why it didn't work the first time, but the hell with it. <laughs> okay, so now is this how we're opening the episode? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess so, uh, because I'm not sure how to edit this bad All boy. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Tell the Damn Story. This one's unplugged and using you using new tech, as you can see. <laughs> We're doing everything we can here at Tell the Damn Story to get you the newest episode as swiftly as possible. Yes, that (laughs) wonderful, wild, and and just confusing as all get out. So what do you want to talk about today, Alex? Well, hey, hey, first off, Chris Ryan, Alex Simmons, here we are. Okay, we're back. Hey, we're back. And um, we were, you still there? Yes, Alex Simmons, by the way, is the creator of Blackjack the legendary uh, soldier for hire from the 1930s, as well as uh, writer of Archie and creator of Kids Comic Con and um, Heroes of Color. Yeah, you, you know, it's funny. You should, you should mention these things because uh, yesterday, uh, and people are going to think I'm crazy, but yesterday I actually, for a project I was working on, I had to quickly turn around to my my sort of brain dump pad. I have a mind map pad that I scrawl things on. I had to quickly turn around and go, what have I written? And start writing the things on this pad because I needed to revisit my body of work. Oh, sure. <laughs> right? And uh, it completely confounded me when I finished that because I'd freak- I hadn't immediately recalled how much stuff I've done <laughs> oh, over yes. the years. Right? You have done a ton. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I've as, done a ton. Alliterations enjoyed, yes. Um, if so, yeah, if people are wondering who I am, I am. Uh, I have also written for Blackjack, of which uh, I'm very grateful. Comic and, strips, um, book. Uh, comic yep. strip, book, uh, Rapid Reads, uh, novellas. And uh, I've written several novels, the city series with uh, detective thrillers. My um, high school thriller called Genius High. And my latest is a... I guess you would call it a political horror thriller, maybe, um, called A Simple Rebellion. And uh, we're here to talk to you about what we're here to talk to you about. And what would know, that at, be, another, Alex? at another time, we, we have to talk about genre and and how one properly categorizes certain yeah. pieces. Well, yeah. I, you know, I, I always write cross-genre, so it's always a matter of what genres do I include and what order and how do you do it? I think mostly I write thrillers, um, humanistic thrillers, but then they fall into other subcategories. Yeah, which is fine. But when you're going to, and we're going to talk about that at some point, but when you're going to promote and also to to upload your Amazon or to other um, book what would you call Amazon? Book services? Book, uh, book, think of it as an online bookstore, because that's what it is. Yeah, 
Okay. Well, when you when you're attempting to connect with them, uh, quite often you do have to sort of tear down to what what are you, so that they can it fits within their little shoe boxes and cubby holes. What now, the hell are you? Yeah. So, so here's here's the thing. Um, what we agreed to talk about this time, which came up the last time we were talking, and we were inspired by that, um, is we we both written materials that have either at the time we did them or just prior to. Uh, we we pick sensitive areas. We've picked areas that are touchy, sensitive, that can make old friends tell you to go to you know purgatory, uh, that can raise flags and all kinds of things. It's not that we are out there trying to you know, you know t- burn bras and, and and flags and things. It is we we write about what we see, what we feel, what we believe, and We're you not picked... intentionally poking people in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> we're not looking where we're going and we accidentally poke you. Yes. Uh, what we're looking at here, though, is um, and Tim just mentioned uh, Tim. Sorry about that. Tim's Tim Fielder, who we were talking about earlier. Uh, Chris just mentioned here that, you know, one of the, the things he's written, one of the books he's written is a Simple Rebellion. And um, but I'm going to ask you two things, Chris. I'm going to ask you to give us the, 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 the dust jacket description of the book and then I'm going to ask you the second question. Okay. So here's the dust jacket. Uh, if past is prologue, where the hell are we going? Americans from every region of our battle-scarred cultural landscape can point to some event or person or movement that has damaged our country's well-being. What if all this divisiveness continues to tear at the fabric of our society? Where are we heading? What will become of America? A Simple Rebellion explores these questions, taking us to a near future America extrapolated from our recent national behavior to look at what we may be doing to our culture, our country, and ourselves. How's that? That's, that's on the dust jacket. That gives you a, a, a somewhat clean, clear representation of what's the of the content of that book? Now, what inspired that? Actually, this is a, the question number two is in two parts. Part A is what inspired that book? Sure. Okay. Well, the first thing uh, that inspired is that um, I've watched our country become more and more divided, and each side become more and more focused on winning rather than progressing um there's always been political parties i grew up in a republican conservative household but the republican conservative beliefs that my father had are not reflected now and instead of being able to discuss because as a you know teenager growing up in the 70s i had a lot of questions about what my father believed Um, And we were able to discuss it and he was able to be amused by my more, um, I was very liberal as a kid. And then I became more and more middle of the road as we, as as, you know, life uh, shows you things. (laughs) Here's another one. Um, So at least we were able to have conversations over the last I would say 30 years, it has become less and less possible. And now we have 
major news networks that go 24 seven talking only to the people who share the same ideas and people text and tweet and go on Facebook only to the people who have the same ideas. So you're unable to communicate anymore. You're unable to exchange ideas. Uh, elected officials, I won't call them elected leaders because they haven't been leading in 20 years. Um, they don't, they seem, it's, it seems impossible for them to cross the aisle and work together. Uh, it's an, and it is getting even worse now uh, with our current administration, which is, you know, the scandal of the day is the norm now. Any of these scandals would have grinded Congress and the presidency to a halt. And now they, we, we just kind of freak out about it and go to the next one and go to the next one. And I just see us ripping ourselves apart where even students coming up won't stand for the flag. They, they don't believe there's anything in this country for them. And, and now, thank God, we're seeing some of those students stand up and, and, and call BS on people. But where is this heading? And because I am a writer, where this heading sounds like a what if, and I pursued it. And the, the, the novel is the answer, a one possible answer to what if we continue dividing rather than coming to our senses. Okay. Okay. So thank you for that. And we could have another discussion all about that. But where I want to go is in writing that, you know, and, and you very articulately outlined why in writing this book, what did you find was the most challenging? Yeah, the biggest challenge to, to telling this particular story at sure. this particular time. Well, I was writing the story, um, and this is, uh, we're in March of 2018, but I was writing this story, um, really got heavily into the writing of it uh, last summer, the summer of 2016, uh, 2017, and into, and it finally got published uh, January of 2018. So all of that, all of those were, were, were when I was going through the heavy drafts of the novel. And what kept happening was um, a surprising conflict between serving the story, you know, and uh, it's a story is a work of fiction. So it was going pretty far out there on what happens if you divide, continuously divide a country that collapses under its own division. Um, and I would take a break from writing to watch Rachel Maddow or, um, Nicole Wallace, or I'd flip, those are to our MSNBC, or I'd flip onto Fox and, uh, see some of their shows. Um, and I just kept seeing the divide getting wider and getting wider and getting more aggressive. And I started worrying that reality, if this is what it's called, reality today, <laughs> would overtake my speculative fiction, my, you know, um, uh, one, one of the early review is called this a love letter to America. And another one called it uh, uh, that I had created an Orwellian, Orwellian uh, landscape. And 
as I was writing this and rewriting this and being trying, you know, once you're into the story, you must be fair to the characters and fair to the landscape. Absolutely. Uh, right. And they tell the story as much as you do. Right. I always believe in, in you know, you got to get the organic. It, everything has to happen organically. And I felt a real pressure with how depressing our reality was becoming and whether I was creating enough of an impact to hopefully get some people say, you know what, this is out of control. We do need to find a way back to connectedness and back to the idea of America over the idea of my side's going to win no matter what. Because the idea of America is still revered around the world. You can come here with nothing and work hard and sacrifice and create the life you want. Well, that idea of America is worth fighting for. And that's why this novel exists, to fight for that idea of America. And the biggest challenges were, am I going to get this out in time? Is it too late? Is there a way to get this to the, the, the readers that would feel energized by reading it and would feel that there's still hope and that they wanted to do their part to um, preserve the idea of America? I mean, that's why we write, yes? Well, it's, it's certainly why we, 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 we attempt to express ourselves, our thoughts, our beliefs, and so forth in what we communicate, whether it's writing or, or illustrations or dance or music or, or whatever. Um, I think that's a portion of the job of, of most artists. You know, I'm, I, I tend to hate the word political because I think it's, it's like one of those, those armbands that people like to wear. Everything's political. Everything's political. Well, yeah, that's, that's right. Chicken, chicken and fish are political. You know, you know, petting your dog is political. Y yeah, you can say everything's political, but I, think, I don't think it is. I think a lot of the time it's, it, it is about faith and not necessarily religious faith. It's about what do you believe? What do you believe in? What do you feel? Who do you care about? And then they'll give you ideologies to sort of, you know, place on top of that or, or even place underneath and stand on. So I think what you've talked about in terms of the idea of America, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's lovely. It's, it is certainly worth fighting for. And the reality that became more of a, uh, hold on a second, <coughs> pardon me, uh, the reality became more of a global uh, awareness, uh, global face, was back in the 60s when they realized that the fight's not only on the outside, but on the inside as well. That we, we as Americans, black Americans, Asian Americans, you know, gay, straight, whatever, you, you have to fight for your rights here within this country. You know, it's not just about escaping from someplace else to come here and then, you know, it's this milk and honey. <clears throat> it is, at, or working, like you said, to working to, and sacrifice. And hold on. <coughs> Pardon me. God bless you. Swallowed wrong. Hold on a second here. Say something profound while I drink. <laughs> well, I, and I, I think that is part of the deal with the idea of America, that you do have to, uh, you know, you can become whatever you want. You may have to work and fight for it. Um, but there is that opportunity. Or at right. least, you know, there used to be. I mean, I, 
I'm very concerned that we may be losing the idea of America. You know, the founding fathers wrote uh, a pretty sturdy foundation, pardon the, the repetitiveness there, but there are, there are people with agency that are trying very hard to nullify that for their own profit. And, you know, the, the only part of hope that I've seen recently have been those survivors from the Florida shooting who have gotten out, and God bless them, they must have some social studies program there because those kids, <laughs> they are articulate and they are smart and they have nerves of steel to just go up and say their beliefs. That's the idea of America, that we can, maybe that's it, we can, right? We can get things done. We can express ourselves. We can be heard. And that's what I'm trying to rekindle or, or, or protect with this book, A Simple Rebellion. And um, day in and day out, it's a struggle to believe that, that the idea of America is, uh, is still glowing there with life. You know, I feel more, more urgency to get this out than ever. And it, I mean, it's out in the public, but to break through and get people to read and, uh, and, and feel it in their own hearts. Well, I think, I think a couple of things here and, and again, bringing it uh, around and back again to, to telling stories and, 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 and building, um, building blocks of, of creative foundations as well as, you know, social foundations. The, the I can uh, in your statement is that you were in a position to write this book. Uh, you, it's not something you had to write underground and sneak out and, right. and actually get it to another country so it could be published, so it could be seen here. And I think part of what you're saying is that you're fighting to keep it like that too. So yeah, yes. we don't find ourselves in that situation. What I do find interesting, and you know, you had your experience with, with a simple rebellion. In, in 1990s, when I created, well, actually I created Blackjack, uh, African-American Soldier Fortune in the 1930s, for those of you who came in late. Mm -hmm. uh, when I created that series concept, um, it was in the 80s, and it took until the 90s for me to reach a point where I could start publishing the work. And the very first story that we published was Second Bite of the Cobra, which was uh, originally a three-issue miniseries uh, that, that I did. And I, I wrote it, and, and Joe Bennett uh, was the illustrator uh, yes. on it. And, and even in, in that, and I'll come back to more of it in a moment, but even in that, if, you know, it's an American here, an African-American in this particular situation, writing a story about a heroic African-American uh, and the book's being drawn by a Brazilian who's over in his country. Yeah. So immediately we start out with, you know, diversity and, and, and collaborations across borders. Uh, and then... The thing that was challenging for me when you were talking about, you know, one of your biggest challenges, the thing that was challenging for me when I took it on is the kid in me and the lover of adventure stories and mysteries and all that. He wanted a story in this particular country, which I'll mention in a moment, in this particular country with this kind of backdrop, with these kind of characters, because this is some of the stuff that I, I grew up on. And I really love that kind of high adventure material. But I chose, rather than South America or, or, or China or Japan, I, I chose the Middle East. 
God. <laughs> I, I chose the Middle East in the 90s, you know, at a time when you know, we weren't that fond. I mean, in terms of the political viewpoint, there was stuff happening, both economic and otherwise, that had a, a number of Americans going, they're not our friends, or we don't like them, or blah, 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 blah. And certainly in terms of movies and things that I had grown up on, whenever the heroes, especially the 40s pulp kind of stories, whenever the heroes went to a Middle Eastern country, they went anywhere, but in particular in the Middle Eastern adventures, uh, first of all, they were never played by Middle Eastern characters, you know, actors, you know. Um, and they, the Middle Eastern characters, except for maybe one or two, were always the bad guys, you know. And the heroes would wipe out hundreds of them throughout the, the adventure. And then, you know, go home wonderful and happy and everything. So here I am, a, a black man about to write a story with a black lead character who's going to have an adventure in Africa and the, and the Middle East and all that. And I'm saying, you know, there is no way in hell I can write a stereotype. I, I can't do that. I can't, you know, have them yelling IE and, and, and throwing around infidel as the only word that we know that makes them sound like they might be and, and have all of the people in turbans and, and so forth. They're the bad guys and everybody else is the good guys because the Brits are over there. Well, you invaded their country. <laughs> so, you know, so for me, it was all about looking at the actual history and saying, how do I do this story in a way that is more genuine and respectful to the culture I'm about to tap into and to my hero who's African-American or black and yet tell this adventure tale for what I hope would be all audiences. In other words, I, I didn't want it just to be for one group. I wanted anybody and everybody who liked this kind of story to, 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 to enjoy it and get something out of it. And it was, it was very much a challenge. I mean, I, I, I did my homework in terms of researching the area, researching some of the, the indigenous people of the area, researching some of the history, um, the early 1900s to the 1930s when my story would take place. And I attempted to, to tell the story fairly, but still give it all the edge and, and, and excitement and, and dynamics that I felt I wanted to see in that tale. And one of the things I had to hold to, a ruling you know, that was always in my head was, you know, and I may not quote it properly, but it's something like, you know, one man's rebel is another man's patriot. Okay. And so the, the cobra, who is the adversary that Blackjack goes up against, I, I gave him a background, a, a, a backstory that I thought was respectful. Um, and that allowed him to have more than one dimension, actually more than two. Uh, and I even liked the way I ended the story because I felt it was true to the adventure tale I wanted to tell. But at the same time, I felt like I went a, I went a few steps further in trying to maintain that respect. Well, and I think, I'm sorry, I was just going to say that I think that, you know, again, it's a challenge when you're writing something at a time when very easily what you're writing could set off a brush fire that takes out an entire forest, you know, in your life, metaphorically speaking. Well, we have two things that I, I'd mention that, and one I think we should talk about at length. But first, I just want to make a passing reference. A uh, poet uh, that I'm friends with, Omar Holman, um, made a, a, a comment about the Black Panther movie. And he pointed out that uh, for him, Killmonger, was the best kind of villain because he was a justified villain. We could understand 
why he was doing what he was doing. And that that's, mm-hmm. you know, that service to story is uh, one of the reasons why that story works. And the same thing with you, why one of the second bites of the Cobra uh, works. Um, but let, let us kind of go over to um, a current Blackjack project that we have <laughs> that is, um, even with that, I have been talking to you back and forth about some concerns. Um, we are doing a, um, a book called Trial by Fire, Trial by, or Trial by Ice, Trial by Fire. And the agreement is that Alex will write one, Trial by Ice, and I'll write the other, Trial by Fire. And these stories came out um, to, uh, as a, as a um, tribute to or um, an, an, uh, about a nod to uh, some students that you were working with in a very unlikely place. Now, if I could just have a moment to explain to you, you know, much like many superheroes have an alias, um, Alex is um, a writer based in the Bronx, based in America, but he has um, taught in many different places. And one of the things he was doing, he was teaching in Harlem um, and he got involved in a project called Harlem to Harlem. And um, what they were doing was using, I believe it was YouTube. You tell me if I'm wrong. It was, it was um, Skype. Skype, using Skype so that. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. It was Google Hangout. That was, that was. His class in Harlem would be Skyping with, a class or, in Harlem, Holland. Holland, uh, yeah, Harlem in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands. So, yes. so this got going, and then eventually they invited him over to kind of finish this project. So Alex started teaching in Holland, and as things happen, you know, word got out, and to make a, a long and uh, adventurous Alex Simmons story a little shorter, <laughs> Alex was invited to do a similar thing to teach, kind of combine what he does with Kids Comic Con, which is a, co- a, co- a comics convention for kids. Less TNA, more drawing and adventure. Um, and between that and his classroom stuff, he was invited to go and be the only American representative at a Russian Comic-Con and to teach there, correct? Correct. So there was one trip and Alex, you, as you told me, there was excitement on the part of the uh, kids and they were just, they were so clearly people and not political enemies. They were people. And I started well, saying... What- yeah, what you started calling it was. Go ahead. The politics, uh, people over politics tour. Exactly, uh, and, and what I was saying is absolutely. You know, I don't. The same way I deal with race and religion is the same way I deal with politics. Uh, I meet people. What their race, their religion, their politics happen to be is what I find out as we go along. But everybody, every country has nothing but people in it. Period. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going over there to discuss Putin or 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 our our current president or any of the party uh, taglines. I was going over there to be a part of a creative arts experience and to meet people from other countries, and we would share and talk about this. And then to work with young people as well as adults 
on how they can create and tell their own stories. Yes. How they can tell their damn stories. Right. Uh, through, through the medium of comics, you know, or illustration and writing. And that was, that was my purpose. And yeah. the other thing is, as a human being that I am, I go over to meet who you are. Right. I don't go over with preconceptions. So, so that was the People Over Politics tour, yes. Now, you came back with an energy about those, uh, the people who were creative, and especially mm-hmm. the students. And as always, we started talking, and it became an inspiration for our writing. Wouldn't it be great, or what if uh, uh, Blackjack, Aaron was, uh, Aaron Day Black is, is uh, Blackjack's uh, regular name, I guess you'd say? Um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, it's his actual name, Blackjack. Right, so is what, if, what if Blackjack found himself working alongside a Russian character? So that was all Alex and I needed to go off. And Alex went off on the story that will become Trial by Ice. And I went on the story that will become Trial by Fire. I even asked Alex permission to set it moments after his story about um, Blackjack getting hired to protect um, Jesse Owens at the 1936 Olympics in Berlin. So we, we're up and going and we're writing and... The Russian hacking story is growing and growing, and Russian collusion is a household term now. And then last week, holy cow, Putin, uh, Putin does his State of the Nation and, and says, hey, we've got nuclear weapons that can kill anyone anywhere. And um, it was only the next day that people said, yeah, but you know, the video he used was this really old video, so we have no proof that he has new tech. And it's all such a confusing pile of investigation and wrongdoing and hackery and politics that I brought up to Alex. Okay, so how do, <laughs> how do we tell these stories about an African-American soldier of fortune working side by side a Russian human being in an atmosphere where nothing good is coming out of the word Russia these days. Well, I would, I would preface that with, or I would, I would change that sentence to not nothing good is coming out of the word, but the association, a lot of negative yes. uh, tales, uh, accusations and so forth are being, uh, attached to that word. I agree. And, That's a much better yeah, way of saying that. Yeah. And, and here's what, you know, it goes back exactly to what we said at the beginning of this very nicely and articulately put description of the process that led up to this idea is the people over politics tour. Um, first and foremost, uh, because I like to do a lot of historical stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm not a history major. If you've met any of my history teachers in school, they would, they would be laughing now going, I never thought this guy was listening to us. Um, <laughs> the thing of it is, is because I do look back over the decades, uh, more often than not, because of stories and things that I'm doing, um, 
I'm aware of a lot of inconsistencies in terms of how, and you know, again, my country, right or wrong, is not the same thing as my country, anything goes. Uh, in World War II, America and China were allies. And yet the depiction of Chinese characters in a lot of the American comics were quite stereotypical and offensive. Sure. And, and you know, the, the reality is, I mean, I mean as, a, as a black man, I, <laughs> I, could, I could go into three or four hours worth of discussion about the representations of blacks over, this, over the decades in terms of popular culture and literature and so forth. So reality check here. Uh, we got a problem with uh, with certain politicians in, in in the United States. We got a problem with some of them in other countries. That's reality. We do have an example here, not only between Russia and America, but a couple of other leaders are out there. It's like all of them are standing around this big oak tree, trying to figure out who can aim higher. If you know what I mean, okay. <laughs> all right. And and that's exactly the way I see. It. And unfortunately, most of us are these Lilliputians at the base of the tree hoping that this is rain we're feeling. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to stop being who I am and telling stories that I think are more fair or more genuine or reflect the people that I know on any side of the water because some folks have lost their damn minds. <laughs> that's, that's just not the way I roll. So let me ask this question. At a time when some folks have lost their damn minds, is it more important to tell these stories? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, a, a quick, 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 quick reference to another experience in my life. Back in the 80s, early 80s, I was in charge of a program with the Board of Education here in New York called um, Stories My Family Told Me. And I won't name a lot of people's names. I will simply say that the project was, was inspired by the Alex Haley book, Roots. And it was, it was going out to high school students, getting them in the New York school system, getting them to interview their, their family members, their older family members, get some stories from that past, that history, the grandparents or aunts and uncles, whatever, about where they came from, what it was like, some little nice slice of life story. Write it up as a radio script and submit it to us and i believe it was something like 15 of the best stories were chosen <clears throat> over a wide range of of different ethnic groups and we then got professional actors to come in and and produce these as radio shows and this was this is a, a wonderful experience involving literacy and 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 history and ancestry and all this kind of stuff well one of the the groups that i i i hit the pavement i was pushing for everybody to be involved and to me, that meant everybody, you know, it's a rainbow coalition here. One group of, of one culture, which was seriously underrepresented, we had one story from their group, one story. And I was all for recording that when the family members of the child who wrote it said, no, we can't do it because there was a, a portion of the, of a sort of a, a, a coming of age ritual that's mentioned in the story and they didn't want that revealed. You're not allowed to do that. It was nothing derogatory or abusive or anything like that, but it was something sacred and they didn't want that revealed. So I said, well, look, we can cut that out of the story. No, 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 no. So the, the council for this particular culture, and I'm picking my words carefully here, the council for this particular culture said, look, there's, you know, we, we can't do it. I said, well, can we go to someone else? Can we get a story from someone else some other way? They said, no. And they said to me, and nobody really cares about our history and, and so forth anyway. Wow. 
And I said, excuse me? And I wasn't mad. I just went, I'm sorry. I'm, I just spent weeks fighting to make sure you're included. So I, I don't think nobody cares is accurate. And they said, that's not what we meant. They meant in general. And I said, well, if that were the way we all looked at this, everybody would be under somebody's foot. So I said, what I'd like you to do is come on, come into the studio and record what you just said to me. And let's talk about that. So we at least still have your group represented. And that's what we finally did. But I mean, ultimately, again, we as people, and I believe this of, of artists in particular, but we as people, we need to, to really, really, really do our homework. We need to look at the bigger picture. We need to look back and remember almost everybody on this planet at some point was spit on and it wasn't okay. So why would you want to do that to somebody else now? So yeah, I think more than ever, we need to be writing these stories. And, and I will say even from a personal level, I've been over to Russia twice. I met people. I met great people. I met, yeah, some people, like anywhere else, you meet people who are up and down on the scale. But bottom line is the majority of the people I met were good people. They were doing their job or they were having fun. They're raising their children. Uh, they're artists. They're excited about this. Or they're students in schools. I spoke in a number of schools. Human beings is what I met. I didn't meet policy. I didn't meet political you know, uh, viewpoints. I met human beings. And so I will always write about human beings. And all the other stuff is trapping and dressing. And that gets into the story. But I need to remember why I'm writing. And I think you, you do the same thing. We remember why we do this. And we remember, like you said, you talked about your father having very you know, different viewpoints than you when you were young. But you two could talk about it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the thing, you know, you, people say that writers write about the same thing or they write for the same reasons. I think that ability, that gift that he gave me, he gave me two real gifts. One, he was reading all the time. And the other thing is that he would talk about anything. You know, mm. He would I mean, he relied on Baltimore catechism and his conservative <laughs> beliefs. He was that kind of guy. Um, but he would have conversations with me. And I have seen those moments that he has given me show up in uh, my books, show up in uh, the reasons why I sit down and write again, you know, and, and I think as writers, you can't help but tell your story. You know, we, we I know we laugh and say the name of this podcast is Tell the Damn Story. Um, and that's sometimes what we have to tell ourselves so the editor doesn't shut us down. Right. The, the little voice in our heads. Just sit down and tell the damn story. Let me, but let me, we are let me, also a prisoner to that. We can't, yeah. we can't not tell the story. So, I got to get this in because I don't want to forget about it. Your father, your father, you just said something. I, whenever I go out, I talk about my mom. At the beginning of my presentations, I always talk about what it was that she did for me that enabled me to be where I was at that particular time speaking to those people. So you, did, you told me something a long time ago, and, and you, you may yell at me for bringing it up now, but I don't think it's anything super personal. Yeah. Embarrassing. Um, Chris comes from, I'm not going to go into the great details. Chris comes from a staunch line of professionals. People in his life became a certain profession. We had a family business. Yeah, right. They had a family business. Nothing illegal. It was actually the opposite. But it was four letters. You can tell. They looked at life in a certain blue collar kind of way. 
Okay. And here comes here comes this quirky kid who, you know, doesn't have all the same beliefs as his dad and isn't thinking about following in that particular footsteps because he kind of likes to write. And actually my father told me I shouldn't be when he found out Yeah, well, see, this is where I'm going. So stop stepping on my punchline. All right. <laughs> so so Chris had to find his way as a writer through a good part of his, you know, life there, his early life, without people going, go get him, son, you're going to do this, it's going to be great, you know, we'll be getting awards and we'll be sitting with you when you get awards and things like that. So one of the things that Chris wrote, you know, not that, you know, we'd met, and I forget, it was maybe just five years, within five years of Chris and I meeting, becoming friends and working on some projects together, one of the things that Chris wrote was a, a comic book series that I was working on, and... um I remember you telling me the story that you, you took the published issue with you to see your parents. Yeah. Now, again, we're talking about a full-grown young man here. I mean, he's married. He's got, you got kids by that point, right? Uh, no, it was before the kids. Okay, it's before the kids. But he's married. He's got, you know, he's, he's got his own life, right? But he or takes, maybe they, they might have been infants. Yeah. But he takes this comic book that he wrote to his family, to his parents' house, so they can see it. All right. And he gives a copy to his dad, the guy who was not 100% behind the idea of him being a writer, right? And then it was, I don't know how long after that visit, it was another visit where you went by the house, and where was the comic book? It was, it was in a frame <laughs> right behind the front door. <laughs> <laughs> Framed up on the wall. Yeah, and, you know, it's not, they didn't, they really... They used to shake their head at me. I'd come out, you know. Uh, one time I took the living room shade, was a big, big, we had replaced it, it was a big window, and I had painted a wizard on it. And I brought it out, and unrolled it, this big, you know, 10 foot by six foot painting of this, of this wizard. And uh, uh, in my mind, it was going to be a backdrop behind a drummer for this band. I could play like three chords at that time. And uh, they, you know, while I was holding it up, I couldn't see them. And they were saying, yeah, that's fantastic. That's great. And I dropped to see them. And my mom was just rolling her eyes like, what the hell's wrong with this boy? So when I started giving them copies of stuff, I gave them, I did an article for Wizard Magazine that wound up being a cover article. Wasn't a good experience working for Wizard, but... um, I gave him that. I gave him Race Against Time, which was the book you were talking about. And I gave him a copy of Mythography. And eventually, every single one of those, plus a playbill for one of the high school plays I directed, all wound up in frames behind the front door of this, you know, retired cop from the South Bronx who, you know, he only read war novels and cop novels. So, yeah, it was pretty, uh, you know, actions speak louder than words, you know. So. Yeah. And, and, and so that, again, goes back to your original question. Yeah, we should be writing. We yeah. should be writing. And we should oh. be writing what we're, we're truthful about. And, and not everything is a, is a political statement or a social statement or an economic statement or a racial statement. Sometimes they're just entertainment pieces. But always we have, there's something we say in them that speaks to who we are. <laughs> But I got to tell you, when we finished Trial by Ice and Trial by Fire, part of the part of the pitch on that has to be, you know, in, a, in these very political times, we have to remember people over politics. And this is about human beings. 
you yep. know. That's right. Uh, because, we'll, we'll say it better, folks, because we'll want you to buy the books. Yes, we will. Yes, we <laughs> and will. on that note, sir, you can say it. It's time to go and tell the damn stories. It's been real, Chris. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Thanks for your time. Everybody. Can't Bye-bye. Wait to hear you again. Take care.